Hey guys, I'm Caleb Giddings. And I'm Keith Finch. And you're watching or listening to Gun Day Brunch on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, whatever. Like the four people who download this on Google, whatever Google's podcast service is. Thank you. I look at the metrics. I see you. Thank you. We weird. appreciate it. We appreciate you. We we do. You're weird because I'm pretty sure Spotify's app works on whatever Google phone you have. But anyway, <laughs> thank you so much for watching, listening, liking, sharing, and subscribing and leaving reviews on whatever podcast app you use. Uh, and thank you again to our sponsors, including our title sponsor, Guns.com, who if you're watching, you'll see a banner now. And if you're listening, we're just going to keep talking. And this week is a fun episode when we were bouncing around episode ideas uh this is something that i like to talk about because there's too many calibers there are so many calibers and and do you remember back in the i want to say it was probably the early oddies you know that that early 2000s period where there was like a new hot rod rifle caliber every week like you had like the 338 lapua weatherby index turbo penetrator magnums and then you had uh, the one I the one I do actually remember that were real were all the Winchester short mags because mm-hmm. they were like let's take a Magnum rifle cartridge and shrink it down so it's the same OAL as a 308 so it'll fit in 308 actions and then load can, it up. We can put long action cartridges in a short action. Yeah, and then load them up super super hot and it definitely won't blow up any guns and kill anyone. Um, Ever. It it didn't kill guns. anyone, but it did blow up some guns. So <clears throat> with that idea of there's too many cartridges in mind, I was thinking, uh, Keith, if you could get rid of one cartridge and if I could get rid of one cartridge and we, we're not going to get rid of Wildcat cartridges here, okay? Because all of those, you know, Winchester short mags and, you know, like the 32, you know, uh, 44 Russian rimfire, like all of that weird shit, that is an ammo shortage that's slightly worse than this one away from going away. Like good luck finding any Winchester short mags right now, because even something, even something so quote unquote common is like 35 Remington. Cause I, I have an old lever gun in 35 Remington, but Remington does like one run of that ammo a year. And I think Mm -hmm. what does one run of the Leverlution a year, because that's about the demand of it. But if like, if ammo goes really tits up, not not like right now tits up, but really tits up, uh, that's that's gone as soon as it, yeah, it's gone. It's not gone forever. Been back in a hurry. So what we decided to do with this episode as uh, is if we could each get rid of a mainstream cartridge, what would it be and why? And I think. I'm going to let Keith go first because you're going to hurt way more people's feelings than I have. I am. I'm going to hurt so many feelings with this, but I'm going to explain why. <laughs> if I were to get rid of a mainstream cartridge and anyone who uh, anyone who reads uh, what I write, the several thousand of you out there who actually do it, uh, which surprises me every single time I look at the statistics, thousands and thousands of you, um, it would be 308 Winchester. Oh, I would get rid of 308 slash 762 NATO. And everyone goes, but the battle rifles. Yes, I like 308. I like 762. I have two rifles I don't plan to get rid of ever in 308 762 because it is a caliber that exists. 
But if I were to pick one to get rid of, it would be that. Why? It exists because of iner institutional inertia. It really Going does. Back, it does. Going back to when the 30 caliber was relevant. The 30 caliber was re relevant when the M1903 came out. When the M1903 bolt gun came out and the world was using these various 30 calibers, like 7.6254R, 303, uh, British, and 30-06. All these and eight millimeter and stuff like that, all relatively same variants of the, the same thing, just slightly different numbers. That's it. That's what was happening in the world. It was the everyone 30 was, cal world. Yep. Everyone was using a 30 cal variant in a bolt action full power rifle. That's when it was relevant. When we were developing the M1 Garand as the replacement to the 1903, we knew at that time that 30 cal was not the most efficient round we could use. And we know this because we were also developing the Garand in 276. If you say, hey, Keith, 276 seems awfully close to another thing we're developing that metrically sounds like schmicks mate, <laughs> then um, you would be correct because the 276 Penderson and now the uh, 277 Fury by Sig Sauer pretty similar now pressures are different because sig's playing really hot with pressures so are the so are the rest of the six eight competitors um but we knew back in 1936 that 276 uh, a 6.8 millimeter uh chopping about three quarters of a millimeter off the projectile size but keeping similar weight metrics would make the rounds way more efficient and we have data all the way back on the grand development that said the 276 variant worked way better we should, have story, the two, that, like, we, we should have gotten the two that like we should have gotten the 276 variant but generals were like hmm that'd be a big old pile of 30 out six over there we're gonna go with 30 out six yeah. and so that's how we kept the 30 out six fast forward to the development of the uh t44 and nato and everything like that and we start looking at a common caliber for nato and Lo and behold, what do the Brits develop and what does Europe look at? The 280. Hmm. The 280. They start looking at that with the EM2, uh, first, uh, <laughs> first military bullpup that got adopted and immediately unadopted because we were like, no, you can't make it in 308. Why is it backwards? Um, I hate it. I hate it. Uh, worked really well. Ian, Ian's got a great video. Forgotten Weapons is a great video on the uh, EM2s. Um, but getting, getting off track here again, we knew projectile wise that we should be going with something a little narrower, something with a higher BC. Uh, it was more efficient than 30 Cal, but <laughs> the generals, once again, were like, Hey, mm -hmm. my two world wars, my we don't want to give up 30, wars. we don't want to give up 30 at six, but we're going to give up 30 at six. So with the advancements in powder, case tech, primer tech, all of that, we just invented the 30-06, but shorter. Yeah. And thus we have 7.62 NATO, the 308, which was giving the performances that the 30-06 was roughly giving, but in a more efficient round. But we knew, we knew this entire time that for the grain weights of round we were shooting and for what we were doing with these rounds, 
a six, eight, roughly seven millimeter, six and a half millimeter to seven millimeter round was much more efficient at the job we were asking it to do. We knew this. We knew this the entire time. But here in 2021, almost a century after in 19, I think 28 was when they first started doing the 276 Garands. Um, I might be off on that date, but I think it was 1928 when they started doing the 276 Garands. So almost a hundred years later, almost a century later, we have the NGSW program looking at a 6.8 by 51 millimeter cartridge. So you, basically what you're saying is we wasted all of this time to get back to what we already knew worked really well. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and that's why I would get rid of the 308. <laughs> because, and, and God, there's so many guns and so many cartridges that only exist in the military because of uh, institutional morbidity. The, so uh, for the record, the 45 ACP is not the cartridge that I would get rid of, but I saw this video on TikTok the other day. I acknowledge I'm too old for TikTok. Shut the hell up. Uh, but so there, there's I this refuse kid. to get a TikTok because you will never see me again. I won't be dead. I'll just be distracted. It is uh, the, I have to, as an aside, admire how well it's gamified to push your endorphin buttons, like how well it's set up to make you be like, ooh, a shiny thing. Ha, that gives me dopamine. Ooh, a shiny thing. Ha, that gives me dopamine. It's so good at that. It's shocking how good it is at that. But anyway, there's this kid who does like these historical breakdowns and he talks about good generals and crappy generals and stuff like that. And he's fun to watch. And somebody had asked him what like one of his favorite guns is or the story of how it, I don't, I don't remember how he came around to it, but he started talking about the 1911 and how the 1911 was adopted because of the Philippine insurrection, which is not actually true. It's a great story, like, and it's a fun story, and you can sort of wrap, a wrap, wrap it into the story of the Philippine insurrection. But the reason why the 1911 was adopted is because the generals in the army still had cavalry, and they wanted a 45 for their cavalry because a 45 is what the cavalry was supposed to have. It had mm -hmm. nothing to do with Moros pulling themselves down on spears and not being stopped by the 38s that the guys were carrying at the time because you know what they were mostly shooting the Moros with? Craig Jorgensen's or Jorgensen's or however the hell you're supposed to say that. They were shooting I, them with 30. I think it's Jorgensen. I think it's Jorgensen. Uh, that's how I usually say it, but I've also heard Craig Jorgensen out of people who are like, you might know. Yeah, so, so they were shooting the Moros with 30 caliber battle rifles, and the Moros were like, lol, fuck you. So believe me, the inefficiency of a 38 revolver was not why we, had, we got the 1911. We got the 1911 because army procurement said... Soldiers on horses should carry a 45 because I carried a 45 when I was fighting Indians in 1877. And now that I'm in charge of things in 1902, I want a 45 that can be fired with one hand. And oh, look, these self loading pistols are awfully nifty. Let's get us one of those. And it better be because the original design for the Colt pistol was 38 ACP. It mm -hmm. wasn't a 45 it was 38 ACP. wouldn't that be a nine millimeter basically yes yes <laughs> it is it is it is very 
it was a, it's a three it's a 0.356 bullet and you can actually if you're loading 38 super or 38 acp you can actually use nine mil projectiles when you're loading it but anyway institutional morbidity is the dumbest thing and it's because of institutional morbidity today that i have to listen to people say but my two world wars about 1911s so maybe the 45 is no i i like 45s <clears throat> no the and, caliber, I, and i like 308s but you, you, we can like something and we can appreciate that it is here while also pointing out that the reason it, it exists is silly. Which brings me to the caliber that I would get rid of, which is a handgun cartridge and is the stupidest fucking cartridge that has ever been invented by man, bar none, the 357 SIG. <laughs> it's so dumb. It's so dumb because it's, the, if you built a food pyramid, but instead of food, it was a stupid pyramid. And at the bottom of the stupid pyramid, you had the FBI Miami shootout in 1986. At the top of it, you would have 357 SIG because that is the end result of it. Or as a, uh, I, I was working on a project for another company where we were like trying to create a timeline of like historic events that influenced gun culture. And the cliff notes for the FBI Miami shootout was everybody draws the wrong conclusions and now we have too many calibers. Mm -hmm. But the, here's why the 357 SIG is so stupid. Okay. And you do have to go backwards to the FBI gunfight to get to the 357 SIG problem. And if you go back, 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 back in time to the FBI shootout, in Miami. Obviously, the FBI's conclusion out of this was our nine mils and our 38s did not get the job done and completely ignored the fact that when they, in the one instance where they actually got a good hit on target, it did the job really freaking well. Mm -hmm. Anyway, <clears throat> so their conclusion was need more bigger gun. All right, cool. 10 millimeter. I love the 10 millimeter. I will never it's a great caliber. I will never say shit about the 10 millimeter. I own three 10 millimeter revolvers. So that's yeah. So I'm not gonna say anything about 10 mil. I actually think 10 mil is an interesting caliber. And it, you know, obviously the aftermarket for 10 mil with it being hot rotted up to kill bears and things like that. It's the 10 mil is actually useful. I'm not going to talk shit about the 10 mil. So, but then they're like, Ooh, 10 mil kind of hard to control. So they first 10 mil did, wasn't useful as useful as they wanted for the reason they developed it. It exactly. became useful for other things. Yeah. But what they wanted was a hard, it was a powerful, effective caliber that their agents could also shoot. And if you've ever held a 1006 the Smith and Wesson 1006 that was built for this gun is big, is very big. I have oddly shaped hands and then I have a large palm and kind of short fingers. I can hold a 1006 just fine. I know lots of people who are five six who would struggle to hold a 1006 well. So the FBI goes, all right, there's a lot of recoil with this. So what if we get like a light load for this? So that was the FBI 10 mil light. Then, which by the way, you can still buy that exact load today if you just buy off the shelf federal um, hydroshocks in 10 mil. That's the 10 mil light load. It's the federal hydroshock. That was the round actually that was issued. Uh, and it is really nice. If, if you're shooting it out of, oh, I don't know, a five inch Ruger GP100 in 10 millimeter, it's really nice to shoot. Anyway, this is not a 10 mil episode. This is not a 10 mil episode. This is not a 10 mil episode. All right, focus, focus, focus. 
So they get uh, 10 mil light. We're getting there, guys. 357 is coming. They're like, well, why don't we just cut this in half? And not in half. Let's trim a few, a little bit off of this. That way we can load it to the same terminal uh, ballistics, get it in a magazine the same size as a 9 mil magazine, get more bullets, more bullets better. Thus born is the 40. Smaller grips, more hips. Yep. yep. Great. Then marketing. And that's why the 357 SIG exists is because marketing. And don't come at me because you're a fan of the federal air marshals and you love the gun and all of this, right? I know the fans carried them. Marketing is why 357 SIG exists because somebody at SIG was like, it, it came out in this time when everybody was doing their proprietary cartridges. I actually would have made this episode about the 45 gap, but nobody owns a 45 gap. So we I don't one, have to. I, I guarantee we know one person. We, we, and that's yes. literally the only person I know, period, that we, owns a 45 gap. We I have, have a mutual friend who owns. Yes. Yeah. So, and yes. Then, <laughs> we have one friend who owns a 45 gap. That's true. But I would have done this about the 45 gap, but it's already gone away. So there was this time. So 40 Smith and Wesson. Okay. Glock's like, well, we need our own. So 45 Glock automatic pistol. That's the 45 gap. And SIG is like, well, we need our own. So let's neck down a 40 case and put a 355 and put a nine mil bullet in it. But nobody's going to buy a round called three called nine mil Magnum or 355 Magnum. So let's name it after something that people know 357 SIG and then build all this bullshit marketing material that it's designed to equal the ballistics of the legendary 357 Magnum, but with more rounds on board and less recoil. That's pretty much their marketing that mm. existed for it. And like the air marshal fifty-seven Magnum, but in automatic. Yeah, it's exactly <laughs> what it was. And so, like the air marshals bought it, and I think like North Carolina Highway Patrol and I think Texas DPS bought it. And guess how many of those agencies are still using it today? It's a goose egg because guess what, guys. With modern projectiles, it didn't do anything that you couldn't do with a nine millimeter with less muzzle blast, less recoil, and you get more rounds in a nine mil. And it's the dumbest, but I will still to this day, and I guarantee we will get at least one comment from some dill hole who's like, but my hydrostatic shock, handguns don't do that. There's no, there's no handgun, not enough speed. There's none of them that are producing enough speed for that to freaking matter. Right. And like the you ones have to that get to rifle calibers, guys. And then the ones that get close enough for it to matter, like the Liberty, whatever, like it, which is shooting like a 40 grain bullet at like 2000 feet per second for a nine mil, those don't have enough sexual sectional fucking density to then actually penetrate. They go into like two inches of tissue, and go, which would be a very painful, but it wouldn't yeah, be nearly as effective suck. as a 147 grain jacket at hollow point hitting you at like 900 feet per second. So, and then penetrating deep and leaving a hole through all these vital blood transporting <laughs> organs. And then all of a sudden, whoop. But 357 SIG, and like I used to argue with Todd Green, uh, my, my RIP Todd, about 357 SIG because he loved it. And it was one of those where he irrationally believed that it was the hammer of God. And it, I will say this, in actual shootings, it seemed to be disproportionately effective, which I have a theory about. And this theory also ties into my theory about why the 357 Magnum, especially the 125 grain load out of like your three inch guns had such a high, a purport, uh, uh, such a weirdly high effective rate. 
and this is something I've talked with, with legendary revolver genius Daryl Bulky about is because there's a, I have a great still shot of me shooting a 357 SIG, and there is a fireball coming out of this gun that is literally a foot long. It is enormous. And we kind of have this pet theory that's impossible to test and impossible to prove that that round and also the, you know, the 125 grade magnums produce such a muzzle blast and such a flash that it induces the, oh shit, I've been shot reaction way more effectively than something like a nine mil with a relatively reduced muzzle blast and muzzle flash or a 38 special where people are like, you crack off a magnum in someone's face at seven yards and they know a gunshot has occurred. Like there is no missing, a 357 SIG has been fired seven yards away from you. The shit is loud and it's really bright. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's stupid because it's loud and it's really bright and it doesn't actually do anything. But that there, there is there's something to be said for communicating the fact that the person you just shot has been shot. Because yes. we've seen the results of people who don't know they've been shot and they keep going and they keep going and they keep going until actual body failure which a voluntary stop, involuntary stop, either way, they stop, you have control of the situation, good on you. Um, but a friend of mine, a deputy, deputy sheriff friend of mine, got into a shooting incident up here in Michigan, in which he had to draw down on a guy who came running at him out of a trailer with a knife. And his partner was fighting with their AR at the time, uh, nerves or, or something like that. Uh, they didn't think it was loaded. And they kept throwing rounds out. Oh, they the kept doing that. Didn't, yep, I didn't guarantee think, it was didn't, on safe. Was, and they were like yanking on the trigger with it on safe, yep. racking it, yanking on the trigger. Yep. Something something along those lines, like a, a couple of things could have happened. And so my buddy is drawing down with his 40 and uh, he, he went into this bullseye mode where like he had to get one perfect shot. This mm. was back far enough away, uh, uh, back far enough that police departments were still using like bullseye targets instead of silhouettes with with center mass areas to hit and they were scoring point wise instead of pass fail and and not not saying there are a lot of kind of um, don't hate that <laughs> yeah like i don't either from a uh from a purely accuracy in developmental standpoint but there were no time limits there were no ah, like it, so it's a Yep. So you got on perfect target, perfect target, perfect sight picture. And so it was, it was this bullseye shooting mentality instead of there is legitimately a dude running at me with a knife. I should probably plug him as many times as it takes until he stops doing that. And I should probably do that as quick as I can. And so he got on target and about the time he started getting on target and decided, all right, I've got my bullseye sight picture. He hears a gunshot go off just to, just to his side and his partner had hip shot the AR into this dude. He drops, rolls, um, the, knife, the knife goes away, and they, he comes up, covers him because he's down, and he, and he tells the suspect, yo, don't move. And the suspect goes, I can't, I'm dead. <laughs> what? Are you just, I mean, you're not, but okay. He's not. He, he was like, he was gut shot, which not a great thing to be with an AR, but he survived. They patched him up. They transported him. He was done. Um, but this dude saw the muzzle flash of an M4 go off, got hit with a 55 grain, um, got, got an injury that had to be treated, but lived, lived walked mm -hmm. it off, got his day in court, et cetera. 
Um, but the psychological, the immediate reaction was, I can't, I'm dead. And I will say, I, I do have to caveat this before because there's going to be another guy in the comment who will be like, see, this is why this 357 SIG is okay because it's more likely to introduce us, induce a psychological stop. And I'm going to say, listen, fuckstick, we do not rely on the psychological stop, okay? The psychological best way- stop is their decision. It's right, I it's their choice. can't leave that decision up to them. If they make that decision, I am happy for them. Great, you have, I love calling it uh, 100 IQ point syndrome. Their IQ jumps 100 points, and, you're, and they're like, this is a really bad idea, and I should stop. So I call it 100 IQ point syndrome, but I don't want to rely on their psychological stop because that means they get a choice in whether to stop or not. If I've made the decision to drop the hammer on somebody, we've gone beyond the negotiation phase where I'm trying to get you to psychologically stop because, hey, please don't kick down my door. Please don't come attack me and my family. Please don't do all these things that are wrong and will put my life at risk. Please don't do these things. We've we've stepped beyond that point and that is no longer a reasonable option for me yeah. because I'm dropping the hammer on you. So I need to use the thing that's going to produce the stop regardless. So I can't rely on the psychological stop. So 308 sucks, let's get rid of it. 357 SIG sucks, let's get rid of it. And I'll end this episode with a quote from a friend of mine about the whole psychological stop thing, which is, the best way to let somebody know that they've been shot is to shoot them again. Facts. All right, guys, that is it for this week. Thank you so much for watching, listening. Make sure, again, to leave those reviews, like, share, subscribe, all of those fun YouTube slash social media influencer things. And keep your eyes peeled. Uh, We may be getting like a special clip about Keith and I ranting about something coming up here in the next few weeks if we need content or if I decide it's funny. You never know. But we'll be back next week with another episode. Thanks, everyone. See you later, guys.